Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome into Critical Thinking. I am not, and I repeat, I am not Andrew Coppins. I am, however, Pat Oney. And I'm filling in for Andrew Coppins today, and I, I got to say, I'm, I am the better-looking, better-smolder, I would even say better radio host than Andrew Coppins, so you're in for a real treat today. Eh, maybe that last one's debatable, but but the other two, I, I can assure you, or not, I really am the better-looking one of the two of us. I really do have the better smolder. Just saying. You can even ask Andrew himself. In any case, Andrew is out of town this weekend. He, he decided to take a long weekend. He is down in Atlanta with, I believe, his wife and some friends and uh, on some much-needed R&R, and he, quite frankly, deserves it. Um, the man works hard. He works hard on critical thinking every day, um, which is Monday through Friday from uh, noon Eastern um, to, uh, at least that's when we air it. We, we air it about noon and it's usually about 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, he also has his own real estate business that he's working with. And on top of all of that, he's doing Reviving Liberty. And if you haven't yet, go to revivingliberty.com. It is a podcast, I promise you, unlike any other. And I'm not just doing the whole Donald Trump euphemism thing here. It really is a podcast unlike any other. It is not your... Well, it, it frankly, it's not a political podcast. It is a podcast, I would dare say, about the fight for the soul that, that is America, that is liberty. And uh, Andrew does a really good job of, of giving you his own manifesto and, and kind of laying out a path of how we revive liberty around this country. And as we do so, 
it, it should give us a pathway of how we can live in unison in, in some ways once more at least those that that are rooted within the same principles and and s- at least similar beliefs within those principles and values not saying that we agree on every topic nor should we agree on every topic or issue but there should be a framework of principles um, that we agree on and the, and the reason why we are where we are today is because we are now living in a country that no longer shares the values and principles in which this country was founded on. There are those that do, and there are those that don't. And that is that is literally the side that we are on. And so if we want to revive liberty, we, we can't rely on elections to do it. Elections don't work for this. They don't work. What are we going to do? Rely on someone from the GOP? What has the GOP done over the last couple of decades? Really, since Ronald Reagan, what, what has the GOP truly accomplished? Planned Parenthood is still here. What, what, what have they accomplished? Obamacare is still here. We're still spending money. They're still, they're still caving on spending bills. So what has the GOP accomplished? Can't rely on the GOP. Uh, the, the GOP, the red wave that, that's supposedly coming this November, is not going to save us. The way to do it is through us as individuals, starting with those dinner table conversations. Reviving Liberty. Go to revivingliberty.com or wherever your favorite podcasts are played and then share it far and wide just with one person. And then challenge them to share it with just one person. The, the farther this thing spreads, the better. Uh, Andrew was actually on last week with Good Morning Liberty, um, and then he was also on with uh, my friend Brian Hyde on the Brian Hyde Show, talking about it. So you can actually look into those shows as well. But in the meantime, go to revivingliberty.com or wherever your favorite podcasts are played. Uh, it drops. We drop a new episode every Tuesday. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. Please do so. It is worth your time, especially if you want to get the America that we all know and love back and, and, and pull it back from the brink and move forward. This isn't about nostalgia. This isn't about going back to the founding fathers. That, that, that isn't it. This is about, again, fighting for the soul that is America, pulling it back from the brink and getting on the path that, that leads us back to true liberty. In any case, uh, this week, since since Andrew is out, we, we will be playing a, a version of the B or not the B later on. Um, there really isn't going to be a friar again. And uh, this week, I actually do have nominees for Richard of the Week. So I will be revealing those later on. Um, but until that point, we, we have to address a, a very important topic. Um, and, and actually... Even before I even get to that, I do have uh, an admission I need to make. Last week, I talked a little bit about Roe versus Wade, and I talked about the uh, church, not necessarily just my church, but you know, all churches, um, kind of being somewhat silent on the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And I was actually very surprised that my church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, hadn't really said anything in regards to it. 
And, and to that point, I did not know of anything that they had actually come out and said about it. I'm here to tell you that I was wrong. Um, I was wrong in, in, in that statement. Uh, they actually did say something about it. Now, I will say this, though. What I wasn't wrong about is that it wasn't as widely spread and as widely known as I would have thought it would have been. Um, it took me Googling it to, to actually find it. Usually for something like this, I get an email directly from the church. And I didn't. I, I don't know if they actually sent one out. I won't say that they didn't. I'm just saying I never received one. I even checked my spam folder. Did not receive one. I still, to this day, have not heard anyone in, in my own individual ward not say anything about it either. Now, say what you want about politics being at church on Sunday. Or major issues like this being at church on Sunday. Okay. Okay, I can, I can maybe understand that to a point. But for something like this, for something that is about protecting life, you would think they would. As big of an issue as that is, as big of a supporter of, of a pro-life movement as the church has been, I would have thought there would have been more of a outspokenness about them. And they weren't. Really, all they did in the, the Deseret News article that I found is that they reaffirmed their statement of, of what we believe abortion should be used and when and when it's appropriate and in cases of uh, rape, incest, and, and the health of the mother. And even then, those those scenarios should be carefully prayed about, consulted with a bishop or, or other church leader um, as necessary um, when, when going through those steps. But they did say something, and I will say for that much, I was wrong. And so I'm, I'm not going to, to uh, sit here and, and pee on your leg and tell you it's raining when it comes to, to that issue when they actually did say something. On the other hand, speaking of peeing on your leg and telling you that it's raining, this is this is the big topic of the day. Because yesterday, we are now in a recession. But not according to the White House. Now, talk about your, your poster child for uh, peeing on your leg and telling you that it's raining. It's got to be the Joe Biden White House. Now, a recession is supposedly defined as a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by the fall of GDP in two successive quarters. Well, we, we had that in two successive quarters. And by the way, that definition, Oxford Dictionary. So that isn't my definition. That is the Oxford Dictionary's definition of recession. But, but, um, Corinne Jean-Pierre the other day uh, it happened to uh, get into it a little bit with Peter Ducey. Now, I've never seen a press secretary be as incompetent as Corinne Jean-Pierre. She actually makes me wish for the days of Jan Psaki and wish for the days of Andrew Coppins making fun of me also being Jan Psaki or being Jan Psaki's little brother. <sighs> what I wouldn't give to have those days back. 
It actually even also makes me wish for the days of Sean Spicer. And I thought Sean Spicer was awful. He was the biggest, up until till Corinne Jean-Pierre, he was the biggest wet noodle. Uh, a lack of spine getting up behind the podium and speaking for the White House and speaking for the president. Corinne Jean-Pierre makes me wish for the days of Sean Spicer. Here's what she had to say about the two consecutive quarters of negative GDP and her debate with Peter Ducey. If things are going so great, though, then why is it the White House officials are trying to redefine recession? No, we're not redefining recession. If we all understand a recession to be two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth in a row, and then you have White House officials come up here to say, no, 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 that's not what a recession is. It's something else. How is that not redefining recession? Because that's not the definition. That is not the definition. Brian Deese said in 2008, of course, economists have a technical definition, which is of a recession, which is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. I can tell and you this. They said mm-hmm. two, conse- two negative quarters of GDP growth is not the technical definition of a recession. It what is not. Changed? It is not. Why did he say that? It, it was? is not. I can I can speak to I can speak to you to what he said yesterday in front of all of you, which is the last thing that you just repeated. There are many factors. There are many factors, economic factors and indicators to consider. Uh, and I will say that uh, the textbook definition of recession is not is not two negative quarters of GDP. Okay. That was painful. I will say this though. I I don't I don't necessarily disagree with her in regards to in regards to that that the GDP may be the only economic factor uh, when it comes to recession. I, I, I don't disagree. There are many factors I think that we should take into consideration when it comes to are we in an economic recession. A recession. However, that is the textbook definition. I mean, I got it from the Oxford Dictionary. So if that is not the textbook definition, Corinne Jean-Pierre, well, I mean, what what is it? Because what she failed to do here is give the actual definition of what is a recession. She's literally peeing on your leg and telling you that it's raining. Because what they are trying to do is fundamentally change the definition of what it is to be in a recession. This is how they defined it back in 2008. This is how they're defining it now. Or that's at least how they should be defining it now if we're going to go off of precedent. So what changed? Really, this comes down to to narrative and politics, right? But I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm I'm going to actually try to th- critically think through this and go off of an article from fee.org, which was uh, written by, I believe, John Miltmore, who's really brilliant when it comes to topics like this. And the headline is, the Biden administration says U.S. not in recession, but federal statutes say otherwise. Who's right? So he's at least willing to consider that he could be wrong. I'm willing to consider that I could be wrong when it comes to... I'm, I'm not an economist. I'm just a guy behind a microphone that likes to ask a lot of questions and try to make sense of things. This is completely paradoxical and contradictory 
the when it comes to to the economy. So here's here's what happened. So the U.S. economy shrank 0.9 percent last quarter, and then um, I believe in the first quarter it was 1.6 uh, percent. That might seem insignificant when it comes to the economy. Again, if I'm just going off of pure numbers, those seem like small numbers. But however, even though those seem like small numbers, th that could mean a lot in in terms of the U.S. economy, right? So, okay, there's there's at least some wiggle room there of, of debate in terms of numbers of, hey, maybe we really aren't in a recession. Because then what's what's the threshold of the amount of decrease to consider an economic recession? What would that be? Okay, so that would be my question here. But let's see if we can answer it in this article. Um, so the White House decided to uh, release data and President Biden said the U.S. Is, is on the right path. Uh, in fact, this is what he actually tweeted out. After historic economic growth, regaining all private sector jobs during the lost during the pandemic, we knew the economy would slow down as the Fed acts on inflation. Our job market is strong, spending is up, and unemployment is down. We have the resilience to weather the transition. <coughs> okay. First of all, adding jobs that were otherwise lost during the pandemic and then adding them back two years later is not growth. That's replacing what we lost. That's that's not growth. That that is, if anything, it's it's almost like a, an, an evening out, if that. But that doesn't mean that either. Two plus two does not equal six here. Okay, so I don't I don't understand why that is a sign that the economy is heading in the right direction. Now I will say, you could make the argument that hey, that there's an improvement there that that we're getting those jobs back. You could make that argument. But to say that it's on the right path, I, I have questions. I have questions given the state of what is happening today. So, what does uh, some other comments here have to say? So, uh, the uh, Secretary Yellen said on Sunday, two negative quarters of GDP growth is not a technical definition of recession. This is actually what one of the White House aides said. So let's let's play this clip. So I just want to make a final note um, on the uh, the definition of recession, which has been an issue that I know many of you have uh, reported on. Um, as Secretary Yellen said on Sunday, uh, two negative quarters of GDP growth is not uh, the technical definition of recession. It's not the definition that economists have traditionally uh, relied on. Uh, there is an organization called the National Bureau of Economic Research, uh, and what they do is they look at a broad range of data in deciding uh, whether or not a recession has occurred. That is the process that economists and administrations have used for uh, years and decades uh, to identify when a recession uh, has occurred. Okay, so what... What is the definition of recession? Because I, I feel like that still hasn't been answered. Um, we have the White House saying one thing. We have other indicators saying another. Are we or are we not in a recession? 
So the federal statutes, the Congressional Budget Office, and other governing bodies use two consecutive quarters as negative growth as the official indication of economic recession. Phil Magnus, an author of Economic Historian, and, oh, and Economic Historian, out that several trigger provisions exist in U.S. law and Canadian law that are designed to go into effect when the economy posts negative growth in consecutive quarters. For reference, here's the definition of the Grand Roman Hollings Act of 1985. Uh, re referencing the Clause Act, this particular clause that has subsequently retained and replicated in several trigger clauses for recessionary measures in the U.S. federal statutes. It's also worth noting that Magnus doesn't contend the two consecutive quarter definition is the best method of, to determining whether an economy is in recession, but simply points out and claims that it's an informal definition of recession are untrue. It may, be, may not be a perfect metric, but it is not very long in history of being used to determine policy during recessions. So here's here's another tweet that I that I would like to point out here, and this comes from Brian uh, Rydell, I think is how you say his name. Um, and this is what some readers may find it strange that to to too much heat, ink, and energy is being spent on something as intangible as a word, which mere abstraction that has no value. And some policy experts agree. So whether we're in a technical recession is less interesting to me than the following quotations or three questions. Okay, so let me let me just go through this tweet. So Brian Rydell tweets this. Whether we're in a technical recession is less interesting to me than the following three questions. Are jobs plentiful? Yes, that's good. Jobs are, for the most part, pretty plentiful right now. Unemployment is is not what it was a couple years ago. Uh, are real rages rising? No. In fact, he says they're falling fast and that's bad. Is inflation hitting fixed income families? He also says yes. That's also bad. So two of the three are trending badly, which equals worrisome. Okay. So if if the technical definition of a recession is not two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. Wouldn't this also be an indicator? I mean, I mean, Corinne Jean-Pierre said that the other economic factors that we should consider if we are in a recession or not. I agree. Are these not economic factors that we should be considering? I mean, yes, we have jobs, but wages aren't rising. Inflation is hitting fixed income families. I mean, inflation, what, the, the report came out, what, like a week or two ago? And it's at 9.1%. 9.1%? I mean, that's the highest it's been in, in possibly ever. I, I, I don't, I, at least in my lifetime. So you're telling me, and if I, I mean, I mean, I still go out to the gas station. I'm still pushing five bucks a gallon. I mean, it's, it's come down a little bit here. And I know in some places it's gone down to below $4 a gallon. There are a lot of places that are still catching up to that. So are you, are you telling me that we're not in a recession, but yet it's hitting the pocketbooks of all of us? 
I mean, look at your grocery bills, the price of eggs, the price of milk, the price of meat. It's all crazy. But you're and you're telling me that we are not in a recession. So so let's say I take your your definition that it is not or what your definition is not, and that is not the the negative uh, quarters of GDP growth. If it is not that, and it's it's not that inflation is is hitting people hard, and wages haven't gone up, and people aren't aren't able to take home that income pay that they need to be able to survive. Um, what are we in? Can anybody from the White House answer that question? Can they answer the question of what is actually, I mean, inflation is hitting us. Wages haven't gone up. Spending has gone up. Taxes are, are, are arguably going to be going up soon. Interest rates are going up. And we've had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. If that is not a recession, then, then what is? See, this is, this is what I mean, that they are peeing on your leg and telling you it's raining. Then the president has the, the cojones to come out and talk about his Build Back Better bill that, that Joe Manchin's finally on board on. I, I'd like to know what, what they gave Joe Manchin, by the way. What did Joe Manchin get? And will this cost Joe Manchin his re-election bid? I mean, if he runs for re-election in 2024. It should. I, I would hope it would cost anybody their election. Because you just voted to increase spending again. In a time of inflation and in a time of negative GDP growth. You voted to do that. But 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 Pat, it, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna lower inflation and, and it's gonna it's gonna help lower income families. Okay, how? That's what the president said, by the way. How? I would like to see how. How does spending more money that we don't have solve these problems? I mean, maybe, maybe for some people it solves it in the short term, but can you can you answer the long term for me? Can you can you honestly expect me to to believe that this is going to solve our country's national debt problem, our inflation problem? Are, are just the general problems of our economy right now and where it's headed. Can you honestly tell me that this is going to go to a good place long-term? I, I, I don't have an answer. But this is, this is peeing on our leg and telling it it's raining, folks. This is, this is them trying to spin a very bad story and try to make it into something it's not. It's gaslighting at its finest. And I'm tired of it. I mean, we should be Nuremberging these 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 folks right now for this. Because we've dealt with it for the last uh, few years. First COVID, now this. I I actually brought this up and and by the way, I will even fully admit this. Donald Trump is partially to blame for this. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. If you're a manga forever type and you don't like that I made that statement, it's true. He's the one that helped shut down the the economy. You know, the whole two weeks to flatten the curve. That was Donald Trump and Anthony Fauci 
and Deborah Burks and Mike Pence. I remember asking the question of when we shut down the economy, when we shut down the economy, when COVID first became a real big thing here in, in the early spring of 2020. I remember asking a simple question, how long can the U.S. economy hold out if we shut it all down? I remember asking that on Facebook. And I remember people coming to me and telling me, I don't care if it kills our whole economy. Then they turned out to be wrong about so many things when it came to COVID. Yet they kept pushing things like masks and then they started pushing the jab and all this sort of stuff the entire time. And then they were wrong and then we shut it all down anyway. We had a booming economy before COVID. We were doing quite well. We were energy independent. And we threw that all away. And yes, Donald Trump threw that away. For what? This is why I don't don't like the idea of Donald Trump running in 2024. Because he's got lots of explaining to do. And we should be asking the tough questions of everybody. I don't care what side of the political ideology you're on. I, I really don't at this point. I don't. I, I'm tired of either side of the political aisle peeing on my leg and telling me it's raining. I want the damn truth. But then they treat us, well, you can't handle the truth. That's how they treat us. That is how they treat the people that consented For them to govern. That's how they treat the people that put them in office. Now, could Donald Trump get us back if he's re-elected president in 2024? Sure. He did it once. I'm sure he could do it again. But why should I trust him? And then why should I trust anyone that wanted to say, hey, let's put Joe Biden in office? Because he he doesn't do the mean tweets, and then and then this happens, and then we get bad economic policies out of this. This is what we traded for. This is why I say America always deserves better, and, and we should never settle, ever. This is why reviving liberty is so important. Because we should never rely on government to give us liberty. Liberty was already ours. But we've given it so, given so much of it away. This is this is the conundrum that I'm in. How long are we going to just sit there and, and let the dog pee on our leg and tell us it's raining? Or are, are we, Have we finally had enough? Have we? Because Red Wave is coming in November. You mean that, that, that same Red Wave that happened in 
2016 that couldn't even get rid of Obamacare that that didn't really do much other than pass some tax cuts that still spent like crazy that that red wave that red wave is coming that red wave that's likely going to be led yet again by ditch not turtle enough for the turtle club McConnell that's that that's who we're going to rely on They are peeing on our leg and telling us it's raining, and then they're laughing at us at the same time. Because they make all of these promises. And then, what? We end up back basically in the same place we were before the election. But, I digress. Let's let's have a little bit of fun though. I, I I need to have I need to have some fun. I need to. It's Friday. I need to just woosa woosa. But before I do, if you haven't um, gone to American Pride Roasters yet, you really should. Um, if if coffee is something that uh, helps you wake up in the morning or is is that therapeutic for you, I I highly recommend going to AmericanPrideRoasters.com and supporting a small local business that ultimately kind of fell flat on their face a few months ago when uh, Dave and, and Faith lost their home to tornado weather um, and lost a lot of their business to that tornado weather and they're just getting back on their feet. So any little bit helps and they make a great product and they are great people and they will always be a proud sponsor of this program, of my show, The Pat Oni Show as well. Um, just I, I, I can't thank them enough for, for, for being that sponsor and for being the uh, outstanding people that they are. So go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Find a great flavor. Andrew Coppins loves the Bro Hamilton. Um, it is a blueberry flavor, if you will. But if you don't, if you like a more traditional coffee flavor, they've got that too. So just go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com. That is AmericanPrideRoasters.com. All right. So let's play a little bit of the the beer, not the bee. And uh, since we already took all of Andrew Coppins' uh, uh, month his month's earnings this month. We're going to take all of June's too, since he's not here today. Uh, I mean that, that is in the contract for every time he is not here. I get the month's worth of earnings that he has uh, of the B or not the B from what we've taken from Dominic Izzo so far. So today we are going to do another article from the Babylon B. And this was actually sent to me by Andrew Coppins um, late yesterday. And it is absolutely hysterical so here's the headline 11 pickup lines for libertarians to use if they ever meet a girl i gotta say this is probably one of the funniest funniest babylon b headlines and articles i think I've, I've read in a while it starts off by saying even the staunchest of libertarians deserve love so throw away the pot you only smoke out of principle and take a shower you son of liberty you're going to need to put a little effort into a girl if you ever find one. Here are some pickup lines to add to your repertoire. I don't believe in big government, but it should be illegal to look that good. Classic. Are you made of gold? Because you're the standard by which women should be measured. Ah, uh, yeah. Hello. I'm wearing deodorant. <laughs> this this will be this will set you apart from the rest of the libertarian herd. 
<laughs> when I saw saw you, my heart experienced runaway inflation. Romantic. Are you the Federal Reserve? Because I'd like to audit you. Grown. Girl, you almost make me want to sign a, a government document confirming my eternal love for you. Almost. The government doesn't have the right to, to define or license your love. I don't need a reckless monetary policy to increase my interest rate in you. Get it? No? Okay. How about you and I go somewhere quieter and listen to my podcast? It's getting serious. <laughs> I, I honestly on that one I I actually could see Andrew using that on his wife. Just 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 saying. Uh I must be artificially inflated dollar because I'm falling for you. You can never compare your feelings to irresponsible economic policies enough. Taxation is theft want to make out works every single time and actually in all seriousness i actually do know somebody that's like that you say taxation is theft she's all yours so just just saying i actually do know someone that's like that or at least says they are anyway please hang out with me i'm extremely lonely maybe you should just be honest <laughs> Oh, I, I, I love these. These are, these are, this is like I said, one of the funniest Babylon B articles I've, I've read, seen in, in a while. So, all right, time to get to our Richard of the Week nominees. They are as follows. Joe Biden for peeing on your leg and telling you it's raining as usual. And for also celebrating his success on his build back better even though it's a little smaller than what it initially was meant to be uh for corinne jean pierre for trying to change the definition of recession along with the rest of the biden white house and also peeing on your leg and telling you it's raining uh joe manchin for caving on build back better and i'm, I'm seriously curious joe what did they offer you to get you to cave the rest of us are waiting for that answer. And then, of course, we have to nominate Vladimir Putin again because, you know, war in Ukraine is still still happening. Unfortunately for all of us, I, I do think in this case, I, I, I have to go with Vladimir Putin because I, I don't know that any of these are actually worse than uh, invading a country and causing war and uprest around the rest of the world over this by the way um yeah i i it, unfortunately it's got to be vladimir putin in this case i would have so loved to to have given it to uh joe biden or uh, corinne jean pierre or actually you know even joe manchin because he sold out he sold out period absolutely sold out also other nom other uh, honorable mentions uh would have been anthony fauci um for his uh, stringent or saying that the COVID restrictions would have been more stringent if they had to do it all over again. Thank goodness that's never going to happen. Or at least that's never going to happen as long as we the people make sure that that's never going to happen. And speaking of Fauci and the CDC, 
the Washington Free Beacon actually uh, came out with an article this week of how the CDC coordinated with big tech to censor Americans. You want to talk about peeing on your leg? I mean, this this might as well be today's show title. Peeing on your leg and telling you it's raining. You want to talk about that for, for a moment? That is Fauci and the CDC to a T. Um, and for what all they, they did during the pandemic and the last couple of years, along with social media too. Social media and, and other uh, big tech platforms are just as guilty of this, except they try to pee on your leg while telling you it's raining while trying to cover up that they were peeing on your leg and telling you that it's raining. For example, the Center of Disease Control and Prevention coordinated with social media companies and Google to censor users who express skepticism for criticism of COVID-19 vaccines, according to the trove of internal communications obtained by America First Legal and shared exclusively with Washington Free Beacon. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Heaven forbid that people actually have skepticism over the jab. Over all the things that have happened in the last couple of years in regards to the jab and what we had been told and that we had been told that masks would work, then masks wouldn't work, then double masking would work, then that didn't work, and then social distancing would work, and that didn't work. I mean, what were we supposed to do? Oh, and I should also mention the, the, the two weeks to flatten the curve. It's gaslighting, folks, at its finest. And yet, they all were in on it. All of them. Big tech, CDC, the government, they were all in on it. Heaven forbid, though, that you have questions about something that you are going to be putting into your body that just came out recently. Out of, I mean, a few years of research, I guess. I mean, the mRNA tech vaccine was, was being researched before the COVID pandemic, but it had never been tried for something like this. And we've never been able to find a cure for any kind of coronavirus before. And we didn't know what the side effects were going to be and what the long-term effects were going to be. So heaven forbid people have questions. And given the fact that some people have died not long after having gotten the vaccine raises some questions about the effectiveness of the vaccine and the fact that they keep telling us you got to get your booster you got to get your booster you got to get your booster um by next year you should have your 500th booster shot uh, the fact that they keep telling us this makes me think we should be asking a lot of questions lots of questions I'm not saying let's go out there and spread misinformation. I'm saying we should have questions and the more answers that we get to those questions or the lack thereof should help us decide one way or another for each of us as individuals whether or not we should get the vaccine, which is what I've been saying for the last couple of years. Uh, excuse me, the jab. I I, I, I I don't like calling it the vaccine. It's it, Correcting myself here. It's, it's the jab. Of course, the, uh, according to this article, over the, the uh, <coughs> course of the least six, stating that in December of 2020, CDC officials regularly communicated with personnel at Twitter, Facebook, Google, over vaccine misinformation. 
At various times, CDC officials would flag specific posts by users on social media platforms, such as Twitter, as example posts. In one email to the CDC staffer, a Twitter employee said, looking forward to setting up regular chats with the, with the agency. Other emails show that scheduling of meetings in the CDC over how to best police alleged misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines. Although many of the posts flagged by the CDC contained false information about the COVID-19 vaccines, the effort to, to police misinformation also resulted in mistaken acts of censorship. Uh, on April 2021, email from a CDC staffer to Facebook states that the algorithms of Facebook and other social media networks are apparently using to screen and postings by sources of vaccine misinformation are also apparently screening out valid public health messaging, including Wyoming Health Communications. The communications reveal a high level of coordination between the government and tech industry during the pandemic and raise questions about the extent to other private companies are working with the federal government to censor the public. The Biden administration has faced criticism for engaging in what some called Orwellian practices. Well, I mean, they, they are Orwellian practices. I mean, this is something straight out of 1984 where they are basically censoring speech, censoring truth, censoring people that just freaking have questions over this damn thing. But I, I, I digress. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security Governance Board, the, the Free Breaking reported now that the Shared Disinformation Board arranged a meeting with Twitter executive who blocked users from sharing stories about the Hunter Biden laptops. Okay, so... We've gone from censoring stuff about COVID nineteen. Now another. Now they they they're admitting to censoring stuff about the Hunter Biden laptop story, which turns out a couple of years later uh, that there may have been some more truth to that than what we were uh, previously told. Just like there might be some um, things coming true about COVID and the COVID nineteen vaccine that were previously questioned before that people were deemed as crazy zealots that that are just against you know the COVID-19 vaccine actually might have some truth to it um we're not all conspiracy theorists again I'm just a guy behind a microphone asking questions as a lot of people are and the answers that we're getting or even sometimes the lack thereof have been quite quite disturbing the CDC effort to police the alleged disinformation expanded to other federal agencies as well as internal March 2021 email from a senior CDC staffer. We are working on project with census of leverage and infrastructure to identify and monitor social media for vaccine misinformation. One email shows senior CDC official appeared at Google's 2020 Trusted Media Summit. The conference, according to its website, was for journalists, fact checkers, educators, researchers, and others who work in the fact checking verification media literacy and otherwise fighting misinformation. One of the organizers of the conference asked the CDC for permission to post her remarks on YouTube. The official declined, saying she was not authorized to speak publicly. 
I wonder why. I wonder why they, they weren't authorized to speak publicly. In the same email chain, the senior CDC official and Google staffer offered to promote an initiative from the World Health Organization about addressing COVID-19 infodemic and strengthen community resilience against misinformation. That same Google staffer offers influence to the CDC official to a Google colleague who was working on programs to counter immunization misinfo. Facebook also awarded the CDC with $15 million and an ad credit for the company's platform in April of 2021, according to several emails. This was a gift. This gift will be used by the CDC COVID-19 response to support the agency's message on Facebook and extend reach COVID-19 related Facebook content, including messages on vaccines, social distancing, travel, and other priority communication messages an internal CDC memo reads, a Facebook official says the platform has been transparent about and will work with public or health organizations to address health misinformation. The platform also says it was asked to internal oversight board to assess whether its current COVID-19 misinformation policy is still appropriate now that the pandemic has evolved. Twitter and Google declined to comment, by the way. Uh, the CDC did not respond to request for comment. Tensions between the CDC and powers that are protecting public civil liberties have arisen since the beginning of COVID-19 pandemic. White House Chief Medical Advisor, our Lord President Dr. Ant Savior, our Lord Savior President Dr. Anthony Fauci called a judge overruling the CDC mask mandate disturbing. Concerns of the CDC's judgment has also led to Democratic-controlled cities of New York and San Francisco to ignore the agency's guidance on monkeypox vaccinations. So there is now a healthy distrust. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with healthy distrust of the CDC and the government and when it comes to public health policy and how they've abused their power. There's lots of questions here. I mean, we have we have posted things as, as we have found information and have asked the right questions and talked to uh, various doctors and, and other physicians within the uh, realm of COVID-19. Um, uh, Eric Mutzos, who is a friend of mine, uh, who did the documentary Non-Essential, uh, we interviewed him and all of the information that he was able to get from doctors and what was going on with COVID-19. And, and all, all of it was censored somehow. Um, by by big tech in the name of misinformation again asking questions is not a misinformation thing daring to question the the powers that be is not spreading misinformation misinformation would be something like in this case that that uh COVID 19 uh, is not serious for certain kinds of individuals we've never said that we've never once said that We've said it's less serious for certain individuals, and we've said that it's probably not the, the, the big deal that everyone has made it out to be. Is it a big deal for those with comorbidities and of certain age groups? Absolutely. However, is getting the vaccine that a potential risk in of itself? Yes. To say that it is not a risk at all is also misinformation. But hey, I digress. You know, it's it's 
it's kind of become a moot point now because people really don't care. Now that we have the whole monkeypox thing going on too, and uh, people are ignoring the uh, CDC guidelines of what to do to combat said monkeypox outbreaks, you know, like uh, try no acetal and stop having orgies in bathhouses. I mean, we were told two weeks to flatten the curve, but we uh, can't stay abstinent for a while to uh, help with the spread of the monkeypox. Hmm. It's almost like they want their cake and eat it too. It's almost like they tell you one thing and then do another. Pretty much peeing on your leg and telling you that it's raining. And that's going to do it for me today. Uh, Andrew will be back on Monday. I will be back on Monday as well here on Critical Thinking. Uh, until then, don't get, lo- don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And stop peeing on my leg and telling me it's raining for goodness sake already. We'll see you Monday. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.